Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Each episode, your hosts bring you news, views, and abuse from America's professional rugby union, along with all the latest on the USA national team. Now, with all that said, let's get on with the show. We're doing it live! Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm... Welcome to your Full of Dirt. I'm Aaron Castro. You can find me at the Shrubber on Twitter. Uh, joined by our venerable writer uh, Josh Fredland. You can find him in, at Josh Fred and Leet Speak, um, aka what people used to type in in about um, 2003 when they were on the <laughs> internet in game message boards and stuff. Um, I was hey, good works. It, it, it does work. Um, I don't even know what those words just meant. Is that how you describe the zero and the three in Josh's tag? Yeah. What was that term? Like use in game speak or something? Yeah. Um, I, it's my, it, I don't know. I remember exactly why. I just I felt like because I have such a common first name and then part of my last name is really common too. So I felt like I just do something a little different. Yeah, it was. It's it's supposed to be like glyphs, and I, I don't know. I, glyphs. Yes, but that, but leet is actually spelled one three three seven. So yeah, I, I I don't know. I just typed that way for fun. I didn't really know the history of how it came about. Um, but <laughs> uh, so we've got we've got a. Uh, what do we want to talk about? Uh, there is structure to the show, so for whoever joins after the first minute, um, you, we will get to that. But I guess instead of like focusing on, I, I guess news at the end, um, rumor: um, Wales is now planning on playing the United States and Canada since they are going to pull their tour from South America. Um, good, bad, or indifferent? I'm going to say. Um, it depends. Let's play all the tier one tests possible as long as we come back with a dollar more in our bank account than when we left. But my biggest issue with playing tier one nations at their home ground is we never get paid. However, when they come here, they always get paid. P A I. D in capital letters. So, yeah. so that's that's my beef with the whole situ- situation. Now, if we're gonna go to South Africa and they pay for all expenses, and we go to England and they pay for all expenses, and we go and we then we go on the train and go over to Cardiff and they pay for all expenses. I'm good with that. We can come home and the boys will be able to get to a taste of the most elite competition back to back to back that they will have ever faced outside of a rugby world cup. That would be a great experience, especially if you can come away, go into it and come away from it semi healthily. However, history is not on our side when it comes to the economics in rugby. Um, and I guess so. For all those that don't know, uh, the All Blacks supposedly want to play us at the Raiders Stadium, um, which would be okay. I, I find it hilarious that the All Blacks will play five test matches in November because the game that they would play against the United States, which is 
which they say is scheduled for the 23rd of October, is an out-of-window test. And the 30th of October is out-of-window test. So they're, so they're just out there to make money. It's not even about competition. It's about shaking down everybody for money. But I mean, can can you blame them, especially in the situation we're in? Uh, I I mean, if it makes us money, I'm okay with it. But yeah. if it doesn't make us money, I'm not okay with it. That's I mean, my point. You look at a, a heavyweight boxing match, and the two boxers don't get paid the same. You know, they're, they're, the higher draw always gets better economics. I don't think it's realistic to expect that we're going to get the same type of terms. The two I, don't, I don't want the same. I don't want the same type of terms as they get when they come to us. I just want favor. Yeah, that has to be, be break even for us. I mean, I, I think that's clear. Uh, so, you know, I don't, obviously we don't know right now what the economic terms are. We certainly have a history of not breaking even uh, that m- might cause concern. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. I think, uh, yeah, we we have to break even or relative you know, or very minimal loss at, at worst. Um, and as long as that's the case, then I'm all for it. I mean, let's get the experience. We always say we don't have enough tier one tests. There are a lot of ingredients that go into the stew of making us a better rugby nation. You know, MLR is certainly a big ingredient, but experience against tier one nations internationally is another ingredient that's out of our control and hard to come by. And historically, we have not been able to get it very frequently or, you know, at least not predictably. Uh, so, yeah. Yes. yes. yes yeah, Scott. Was, we're we're is, trying to be Appalachian is, State. The, the difference here, Scott, is that in world rugby, the cupcake does not get a million dollars. That's Appalachian State got a million dollars and they went up there and beat Michigan's face in. Well, actually, it was by like three points, but whatever. Um, and University of South Alabama – goes to Tuscaloosa and gets a million dollars to get their face beat in. And we're going to go to South Africa or England or Wales, get our face beat in and we won't get a million dollars. We might even have like less money in the tank when we, when we come back, which is my problem with these sort of arrangements. Um, yeah. So, but it's so way for the financing, you know, the financial terms to become more clear, but I mean, uh, I mean, what, you know, it's like, yeah, of course. Why even do we – it's sad that we need to talk about that because any commercial program, it should just go without saying, yes, we're expecting to at least break even or else we're not doing this. Uh, so, you know, that's just the nature of the beast, I guess, where we are today with USA Rugby. But, yes, of course, I think we all should hope uh, and demand that it's a financially viable program. Uh, but that aside – I, I'm all for it, and I'm excited to see it. In, in regards to the All Blacks game, um, Scott, I, I agree with you. I can tell you that if you can have 100% capacity for fans, you can sell the rights to hosting um, an All Blacks game um, for several million dollars to a sports commission or to an event promoter. However, the way I understand it is there – like the All Blacks, like sort of licensed an event promoter uh, for this, which is not really how you would do this. It would be USA Rugby would license an event promoter, but obviously it's COVID and it's all weird. But we better be making a million bucks off this for showing up if if 
it's their event promoter and it's on our soil. So yeah, that's how I, that's how I sort of feel about that one. Um, and then there's this, well, this, this, this is interesting, but it's because of the current environment, I think it's going to be difficult to do that. It would yeah, be Scott, nice. Scott is suggesting why don't we play tier two teams? Oh yeah, if you're, for, for I, need to, I need to read the 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 comments, um, you know, before I just sort of stock about them because I know if you're not on Facebook right now, you won't understand the context. Um, well, John, I, I think the difference is they had sort of the foundation that we have now. Um, previously so if we could cons and my philosophy is this if we could consistently have three tier one tests a year for the next 10 years where we can host two money maker games and we go travel somewhere else um and then you fill out the rest of the calendar whether that's with the tournament like the pacific nations cup or the arc whatever it is but a, a tournament that guarantees us between four and five matches in a consecutive period. Um, then you add your other tests around that. That's sort of what I would want. I want to look at the, I want like our tests scheduled, like a college football season gets scheduled, which is like 10 years out, but um, our tests get scheduled like three months out. And then you don't find out about them until like two weeks before. Yeah. Then the inexplicable veil of secrecy sets in where they don't want to tell anyone about the schedule. Oh, and you find out about it two weeks before and then tickets don't go on sale until the five days before, not even seven days in advance. So you can't make travel plans to even go there. That's that's been that's been the history of you know, life as an Eagles fan, other than it's like they don't realize they have fans. Like they're like, oh, every time I'm like, oh wait, we have fans. We should tell <laughs> oh, them. And, and then you hope they're not on flow. Uh, yeah, there's there's another four years of that nonsense um, before it even comes up for a possible like merging of commercial rights with, say, the um, the, the good old uh, rugby network, which is pretty good. Rugby network. Um, which is okay. which is another one today. Hey, um, for those of you that aren't in full Apple ecosystems in your house and you have a Roku, which if you're an Apple TV person, that's great. Go get a Roku. It's 30 bucks and you can have the rugby network on your big screen and you're good to go. Uh, hey, hold up, hold up about that though. Um, if you have YouTube TV, though, you might lose access. Why? Something to do with something to Google in their data, whatever. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly, but I just know that there's the potential for that relationship to no longer. Why? Exist. That makes no sense. I have YouTube TV. I don't want any problems. Google, let me be. It's okay. I don't have a Roku, so I'm. I think, it, I think it was so, it was something to do with. Google wanted access to Roku's data. Well, Google wants the rugby network and can't have it. That's the problem. <laughs> YouTube TV is going to start airing it as a, just a regular uh, channel. Google wants to go on to uh, Google wants the rugby network on Chromecast. That's what yeah. they want. That's what they want. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know when it rolled out, it rolled out really fast and rapidly, and I thought not having it on Roku was like, hey, what's up with this? But guess what? When you are in that type of a development pipeline, they thought mobile first, and they, like, 
day one, um, they had Android and uh, you know iOS apps out there from the from day one, so you can watch on your phone or on your iPad, and you could I guess you could AirPlay it, but there were some AirPlay issues, um, especially if you were trying to watch on demand, or you could just plug an HDMI cable into your computer, which is what I did at my house in order to watch on my 55 inch TV. Um, although I need a new one because that thing is like, I had that since, you know, my first year as an army officer. So that was like, that was eight years ago, man. That, that TV has been going like a champ. Like a I made my son stand there with my iPad. I'm like, Hey, I bet you can't stand there really still holding this above your head for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> So he just your so Theodore just watches the rugby network like this. He's building great shoulder strength and endurance. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, so it's it's week seven and we got our first over the top network app out there. So that means I'm sure Apple TV is coming, Fire Stick will come, but Roku is probably the biggest sort of set top box just because of um, just because of the price point. They're huge now. I mean, it, it's pretty amazing. If you are a Roku user, if you're not, I'm sorry, just go get one. And so what if I have like the Samsung, like when I have my Samsung over here, I don't, I think I have an internal Roku. Like I don't have a thing that plugs in, but I have apps that show up at the bottom of the screen. So I think you just have a smart TV. Yeah, but it says it's like the, on the box I got. It has it like Roku powered. Oh, is it, is it? Oh, it's a Roku. Oh, so, so if because there are Roku's powered TVs too, so you would just need to go into the App Store on the Roku app. We're gonna test this live. I'll let you guys know. <laughs> uh, Proceed while I go through this. Uh, <laughs> I'll jump in when I have an answer. Oh, um, Scott wants to know, is the MLR app going to have social media features? Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, everything takes time, man. I know that like there's going to be a significant push on the app side. I, I really uh, – I don't know anything about the app, to be honest. Uh, mm -hmm. I know that – I know that um, live statistics um, for the games, games should start – uh, becoming a thing. I know that like in game, the live statistics are not a thing if you're on the app, but that should be um, coming soon as a functionality. But I don't, I don't know anything other than that. Um, but you know, I like for, for the first three years, we had a lot of growing pains and now you see a tremendous investment um, in the commercial side of, of the sport for us to get better. Hey, USA rugby doesn't have an app. Just saying, I think uh, we had, I think we had one like 10 years ago and it was awful. Yeah. I think that's right. <laughs> Live update here from my uh, tech, my tech team. Uh, no rugby network app on my Samsung. However, when I put rugby in, I do get the offer of MLR all access on Fox now free. So there you go. All right. You know, you got to have that MLR all access. So um, there's also a rugby anime called All Out. I, well, I think I think you're on um, – you're just on the YouTube TV, right? No, I'm on my Samsung, like the you know, the apps that come with the smartphone. So, wow. 
I need to watch all, all out is somewhere on there. I mean, um, the director producer of our sister show on the melee is a big rugby animator. Um, so he's talked about all out before. Um, I heard it's pretty good. I don't, I've never watched it, but you know, if you're into like Gundam stuff, maybe you're into that. Two um, seasons. It looks like. So, so I, I, I thought it's been, it was a pretty good day. Um, if you're a fan of us rugby, um, to be honest, like, we're a third of the season the way through and we got our, we've got um, a set top box app out. And so that's huge. Um, it's huge for me um, because I have two Roku's in my house. And what I need to see is if it goes on, if it, if it works for my older one, because the peacock does not work on my older one. Um, the peacock works on the one downstairs. So, um, you know, hardware and all that stuff. Um, but moving along, uh, guys, um, to the rugby. Um, so let's get into the first one. I, I picked against this score. Uh, I feel stupid about it, but I'm finally clawing my way out of the basement, um, on super brew, um, in three of the four leagues that I know I'm in with Craig, I'm ahead of him, but in another league, I'm behind him. It makes no sense. Oh, but wow. First week, Aaron's ahead of me. All of a sudden, there's a specific announcement about how he's ahead of me. It, it, hey, 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 it's important because <laughs> I'm trying to get to re back to respectability because I'm pretty sure I was definitely dead last in our, uh, our cross pod, uh, league with the American rugby pod, um, Warren and Preston. So I, I don't think I'll, I will catch world leader, scary Larry rugby, but, uh, at least I, I won't be, I don't think I will be dead last in this league the rest of the year, which is the good. big guy here is in the hunt though for the, uh, the super brew, super brew crown here for this year still. He bet he's got uh he's got uh Matt McCarthy nipping at his heels. He better he better, you know, throw out some jacks to like puncture the puncture the tires and stuff. Oh I, I would just like to say I got five of my six picks right and I only went up three spots in the EOD league. Yeah, this is a tough week. Well, see that's what happens when the games are not so crazy as they were the first few weeks. People actually, you know, if you had picked five out of six right in week two, you would have jumped to first place. But yeah, now it's a little yeah. less crazy. So now we're getting into fundamentals and stuff. Well, first game uh, was the uh, the I guess the 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 thing that I did not expect. I or I feel stupid that I did not expect that maybe because it was an away game for uh, Nola and it was a home game for uh, Atlanta and it was, they needed to, to win that game. Um, and that that's what they did. Uh, and again, things that are hurting Nola is just ability to convert inside the 22 of their opponent. Um, and then you run into uh, as good of a defense as Atlanta is, it, they their defense looked as good as it did uh, against San Diego. Like they were that physical. They challenged at the breakdown. Um, they continue to just show space where it actually doesn't exist. Which for 
some of the teams, they sort of get fooled um, that there is that space. And then the umbrella closes and, you know, all of a sudden you have Marlon Redling heist, you know, chopping you at the legs. Or, or punching you in the face. Uh, well, or choking you with his um, <laughs> with his with his forearm. <laughs> I was very fairly surprised on that one, um, but hey, you know, I, I think that's my one. Um, it's my one time saying uh, I, I definitely thought there should have been a red card um, for like if we went to that one game that JP Doyle did where he was no 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 it wasn't it wasn't JP Doyle it was Mike Lash. Where he did the double yellow, that would have been like a double. That would have been yeah, like right. a, du- a double both, red to the same guy. In both cases, red Olympus too, right? Yeah. He's got a little bit of a problem out there. He's got to stop smashing people. Well, he's he's got to stop taking it down on the nines. Yeah, it's he, yeah, he has a problem with the nines. Because <laughs> because it, it was it was it wasn't it, it was Andy Ellis against Rooney, and then it was younger, wasn't it? Yeah, Andy Ellis. I don't remember who it was. Uh, no, I don't think it was younger. I'm trying to think, I forget who it was, but it was, it was not. Um, well, if if it was younger, we would have known because he would have called him a numb nuts. <laughs> yeah, younger devil would have got a card if he got slammed like that. It would have been a straight up brawl right there. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it 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 was, and then for New New Orleans, like I think they're struggling, especially with. Uh, the lack of Robbie Coleman, um, you know, the, the issue here you have is you don't have a a third playmaker. Like you have Capiello, right? I think that's how you say Capiello, or no, it's Capiello. Um, Italian names, but Argentinian. Don't even. I'll, I'll, I'm going to butcher that all season. Um, so you have him, and then you have Carl Meyer. But most teams are going to. Uh, a three playmaker system. Like you, if you look at just the way they are, you're seeing a, a true fly half playing fly half. And then you're seeing a highly skilled 12 or another fly half play 12. And then you're seeing another fly half or highly skilled 15 play 15. So you have guys who can kick with their feet, um, put the ball down everything um, in the back lines. We're just getting more skilled back lines. And I think honestly, just with the way some of our teams are playing it, they play a better, more attacking style of rugby rather than if you look at some of the rosters in the prem where they have very talented 12s, very talented 15s, and even put three playmakers on the pitch or even four, they play kick tennis. And I haven't seen too much kick tennis even in, say, you know, when Toronto mollywhopped New York this weekend, but we'll get to that. Um, but in this game, I just – Well, I, I, I guess – Nola got, Nola got, like, the gain line, like, 40% of the time or something. It was really bad. It wasn't the worst, but it was pretty bad. Um, and they didn't take their penalties. They committed to, like, the set piece, and then they got murdered. Um, so, yeah. Well, so I, I guess that brings up you, – you say we're playing attacking rugby, but this, is that more so that's how it works here and that – or that in MLR we still have defense? Oh, we do have defense. I mean, if you look at certain teams, we do have defense because I think in part this is a coaching philosophy thing. 
Um, because if you Nola can defend, I mean that's why Atlanta didn't score fifty points. Um, they scored thirty-eight. It's not like they got shut out. Uh, no, no, no. Just the, or twenty-eight rather. But then you look at other games. Um, like we've seen San Diego score points, right? Uh, how many points did they score against Los Angeles? Seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah, Los Angeles is actually and, and and LA basically just gave those up because they were figuratively they were ahead by like a hundred because that game wasn't close, right? Um, but we'll we'll get to another game where where defense was was pretty real later on. But hey, Josh, San Diego seventeen, Los Angeles forty five. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this game was pretty much over after the first five minutes. Um, John Ryberg scored in the first minute. Angus Control scored in the third minute. And then the fifth minute, we had Christian Padivan going over. And along somewhere along the lines of in the lead up to Angus Control's try, um, San Diego lost uh, Nate Augsburger to, uh, I want to say, an ankle injury. I, I thought it was a knee. I don't. I don't know. Maybe let's. let's I, I don't know. He ended up in the in the. He ended up in the moon boot, uh, and they carted him off. Um, we saw the return of the blonde of blonde DTH. So that was. That, I guess that was. And actually, we saw. Uh, it was the first game for LA with fans. Do we know what the attendance was for that? Twenty seven hundred. That's not bad. I mean, so so we ask for questions as we do like every Monday. And on Facebook, someone said in, in I think the San Diego group or something was like, um, you know, it didn't look like there was a lot of fans. Is is that enough? A, um, they were going up against the Dodgers home game. So if if you have a lot of rugby fans that are also Dodger fans, that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be a practice in futility. Um, but. I thought 2,700 just generally with how well or – I mean, with how poorly games, like rugby games in the past have been attended in Los Angeles. That's a good start. Yeah, that's a great start. Like, 20, it, the brightest, you know, because the stadium is large, looks less than to be 2,700 in most of the places. I mean, isn't like the whole capacity of Starfires – 2700 isn't it it's it's 4000 3500 seats and uh 500 standing room only they can issue more standing room only and you get to 5000 but it's 3500 seats but yeah 2700 so if you're at half the capacity of let's say you're at half the capacity of starfire for your first home game that you're allowed to have fans in this weird environment that we're in right now um, that's a that's a great number. That's what I thought. Um, so, yeah. well, I mean, and you also have to. If they were only using the lower bowl, which is twenty thousand, I believe, and yeah. then it looks like they packed everybody on the hard camera side as well. Yeah, and they're getting and they're getting celebrities out. <laughs> you know, because yeah. he can't dolls. This is Tom Evans. Don't you wish your girlfriend was? I don't know who any of those people were. I you, asked my wife. Make him what's been? Oh, I forgot. I forgot you were in Afghanistan when they existed. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think we all knew that LA was going to run away with this one. I mean, 
I think they basically gave up after the after they scored in the 45th minute and then just went on cruise control the rest of the game. They have a penalty problem. I think I would I would like to I I so I know Darren Coleman isn't showing his full hand. But I kind of want to see their full hand. Because if if we're seeing two cards, like let's just say every game we're only see, seeing two cards. Against a let's just say don't even show me the full hand. Show me four cards against a team that you would probably beat by 100 anyways, but show me four cards and let me see and don't commit penalties and just show me what you can do. Um because then it because maybe then that means we're going to see a 70 we're going to see our first 70 point scored by by a team because the most points scored ever um the game against the Sabercats for Utah was the third highest scoring points game in the history of MLR. The other two... I thought it was second. No, it was third. Uh, there's the other... The second highest... The first highest scoring game is involves Houston and Glendale. And the second highest scoring game involves... Uh, Utah and Toronto. It's 97, 96, no wait, 96, 95, and that game was 93. Right, hold on. I found I found score gummy. 2019. I looked at it yesterday. We had Toronto beating Utah 64 to 61. Yeah, that one. That game, yeah. Number two is Utah versus Houston. Really? It's not yeah. it's not Glendale versus Houston? Glendale. Uh, uh, third on this list is Houston over Austin from season one. Look at the Glendale score from season two against Houston. While we look that up, I mean, you know, good teams obviously are running roughshod over the league, and I, you know, hard to say they wouldn't be the favorite in any contest. But they do have a much tougher schedule coming up here. Uh, yeah, oh, I, I think I think Old Glory is going to be interesting um, for them to face off against. Uh, in this game, like, um, really thought Christian Poitivan, uh played very well. Uh, he's he's U.S. qualified, so you know, um, everyone's like, "Oh, how is he U.S.?" I don't know. People like get married, they have kids, and then their kids have kids, and one of them happened, like one of the grandparents may have been American, one of the parents, I, I don't know. But, um, and he's he's playing really well. Uh, that's that's really good to see. Uh, Nathan Den Hut, like, um, that guy, the moose, I understand the nickname now, had 11 line-out takes, two line-out steals, and basically made it impossible for San Diego to do anything. Um, San Diego needs a, a line-out lock, really. They, they have no – their set piece is atrocious right now, and they don't have um, a, a, a jumper. Um, so uh, as seen in America's Rugby News and on Instagram, Victor Comtat is in town, and he – will be joining the the team soon. Um, it says SD Legion on his profile, so it's not really a secret. And then they had announced that Josh Furno was coming back. So if you have 
let's put Josh Ferno and Victor Comtat in the engine room. Then we've got some like serious beef that also goes in the air. Um, and and Inferno brings attitude. Like that's they're missing some attitude. Yeah, uh, it was great last year when he when he came in, especially in the lineout. I thought a lot of the whole, I mean, the whole set piece for San Diego last year was much better. Um, so I don't know. Um, yeah. So Karen Gasparino asks. Um, she writes for Edelhard and runs the Rugby United Canada account. Uh, do you think there is any team that can beat LA? What would it take other than the entire backline getting lost on the way to the match? Uh, the All Blacks. Uh, Maybe I Toronto. Think, I, so Toronto showed how it could be done. Um, they were only down a point at the half. But then a yellow card versus um, LA is three tries. Three converted tries. Like it's 21 points. That That is what we have seen. Yellow cards, three tries. Um, I think we saw, and Toronto's now, they're now humming, right? Uh, I would love to see Toronto play LA this week. That's a, that's a, not when they played them, but when they, like right now, because Manuel Montero, we'll get to that. But I would like to see that. And then they're going, they're going to travel to Atlanta. If Atlanta like continue and Car- Carlsa found out how to say his name, Adrian Carlsa um, gets bedded in. Um, I think he might move up to. We lost. That's great. I think he might be moving up to ten, um, and that would allow uh, that would allow uh, Bautista as Cura to go uh, either to twelve or thirteen or even fullback and. That would just give them another playmate, give Atlanta another playmaker in their back line. And then you have the defensive intensity that Atlanta brings. I think it would be a very, I think it's going to be a very interesting matchup at the end of the month when LA travels to Atlanta and that humidity. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I think to me, there's two things that are going to be key to anyone having a chance to beat LA. They've got to have a very well-organized, very fit defense like Atlanta uh, or, you know, Austin, you could say. Uh, but I think, you know, I think Austin may lack the uh, the attacking power ultimately to, to keep up with them, where I think Atlanta has a little better chance to, to shine in that sense. And I do think, though, the Southern humidity, uh, especially as we get later in the season, is going to be a real advantage for the Southern teams. Slow, slow down some of that high speed, high octane LA attack when it's hundred degrees and hundred yeah. percent humidity out there. So LA is just so smooth and they're attacking pieces that it's, it's almost unfair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on to uh, the third match of right now. It wasn't that match, but we'll do it anyways. Toronto 53, 12, New York, Craig. I didn't watch. No. Uh, it was, uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. Craig. It was, uh, yeah. It was an interesting match. You know, yeah, that score is obviously uh, quite a margin for Toronto. And I, 
want to try to be as objective here as I can, despite being a Rooney supporter. But I really don't think the game actually played like that sort of margin. I mean, Toronto scored 14 points, I think, in the last five minutes. Uh, I mean, at at the half, it was 19 to five, I think, and and New York had just been stopped at the goal line. So, I mean, it was was still a somewhat uh, competitive contest. You know, the strangest thing to me here was – Next time, start Andy Ellis. Yeah, I was just going to say the strangest thing was <laughs> New York's lineup decisions. Now, I, I think that they're, you know, potentially dealing with some injuries in, in the back line. Uh, so yeah, there was some shuffling, but Andy Ellis, obviously not injured. He was on the bench. He came in a little after halftime. But I mean, when you're playing such an experienced team uh, like Toronto, such a quality team, a conference rival, you have a an unpracticed back line. Like, why? rest your on-field leader that week. Uh, I mean, Seattle next week, at least as the way this season has been going, you know, seems to be much less of a challenge. That seems like a much better time to give people rest. That said, Toronto, you know, has been playing great and is still playing great. Uh, you know, they've, they've really uh, showed how they can, once they start to get an edge, they really put teams to the sword. And, uh, you know, they did that this time too. I mean, you know, they had a hat trick out there with Montero. Ben Lesage had a great game, I thought. I mean, he was really creating plays by making line breaks or at least you know, dragging the line forward uh, and sucking in defenders. Um, so, I mean, it, it, you know, really there's not much to say. It was a pretty clinical performance by Toronto that just, you know, out, outplayed New York from minute two to minute 80. Um, I I hope James Dealey, um, the random MLR stat king, um, is paying attention to this because I'm going to ask this. What is the like? Who who is the leader in in breakdown steals in MLR over the history of the league? Because I think I mean, Lucas Rumble. <laughs> I think Lucas Rumble is going to just own that. <laughs> the after, after like the first eight games that. Toronto plays because he has 16. Yeah. 16 breakdown steals. Like what? And he had three in this game, three in the game before. Like it is, he's playing unreal. Um, I think, um, and, um, a lot of times your fetcher is a little bit of a smaller flanker, but he's actually not that small. He's like six, three, uh, two probably could put on a, about 10 more pounds if he needed to. But especially if you're in season, it's really hard to put on weight because you're just eating stuff to keep the weight you have. Um, but he retrieves an attack. I mean, he had he had a few good carries. He had a pretty nice offload uh, this weekend too. So I mean, it's not like he's just a poacher either. He does he does everything. This was uh, or Lucas getting ready to rumble was a good one from Ben Ben Holden. I, I thought, uh, but. Um, you know, he he's like I would say odds on favorite for forward of the year right now. Um definitely in the mix for player of the year slash MVP, I would think. Like he's having a really good season. Um I I don't know who else I'd put in that conversation right now. So maybe there isn't a conversation and maybe it's him. I mean, oh, someone like Giltini is, I feel like, has uh, to. What, like uh, Adam Ashley Cooper, probably? Goddard, maybe. 
Harrison Goddard, yeah, pretty yeah. pretty good player. I mean, um, I mean, if we if we had like advanced stats, you could probably put someone like uh, Fiona Schultz up there. I, I think I think Fiona Schultz is a is a fairly good shout. I think he's he's got. Um, I mean, the, the league has fairly good stats. That's why they're like genius sports is uh, out there and exists and uh, provides data to books. Because um, I think genius sports provides the data to the books and cool bet like grabs the data from a data partner, right? Which is the cool bet is the betting partner of the Toronto Arrows. And apparently you can bet on MLR games in Canada. I haven't found their app, but I kind of want to know how they set lines because it would be interesting to see if they set lines and if you can do prop bets and all that other stuff on, on MLR games. But, um, Let me look. Uh, but yeah, it, it was – at times it was like – I think when Andy Ellis got, got on, like the tempo was much better. When Kyle Sumsian got on, the tempo was much better. Um, Evan Mintern got on, the tempo was much better, and there was like attitude. But before those three guys got on the pitch – um, for a while, for about 20 minutes, you guys look dead, um, to be honest. Um, the score line, I think, reflects sort of the totality of the game and not parts of the game. Um, but Manuel Montero is uh, – he nasty. Well, they, had to, they had to sneak play. But actually just kick him. You know, a high kick pass to the corner that uh, no one's looking at. Nobody's yeah, looking take at. that out too. I mean, that you know, that, that was in the first half too. So, I mean, take that out. I mean, it was it was played pretty close in the first half. Um, so, but um, moving on to New England versus DC, Josh. You know, it was, it was a quick start for New England. They jumped out to a, a ten nothing start, and then unfortunately, a uh, a yellow card to Ronan McCusker in the 25th minute kind of like sealed their fate almost because I believe after that I'm looking correctly uh, DC scored 17 points before uh, he was able to come back on and then like, New England just couldn't recover and, and, we, and then we also saw how bad DC scrum was last year at times like they just got I mean, totally- how bad it was this year at times like in the hey, first was, couple of weeks, it was not that good. It was better right. than Nola last year. Mm. And then this, and then against. I mean, the there Wayman, were there were some really great. there were some really bad games last year. So like, I would need to go back and watch that film because in this one they like dominated. they they dominated. Ugh. It was it was it was ugly because if you if the if the reset rule didn't exist. They would have forced either Eric Jagger or Sefa Agassi to get a yellow, straight up. Has the rule ever just failed as hard as this as this rule? Like, like it is the most hated rule I've ever rule suggestion I've ever seen. Like, like I I understand it. Like, hey, we can't just keep resetting, but it's like you can't. If there's a penalty, you should be able to choose not to scrum. That's what, mm-hmm. That's what I think. Yeah, it makes no sense. It makes no sense why it's being enforced. Okay, I, I guess maybe maybe we can come to compromise on it. All right, if you're inside your opponent's twenty-two and it is your scrum, so like New England DC, it's inside DC's twenty-two and it's New England's scrum. They can choose to keep going. 
However, if it was DC Scrum, they couldn't. That could be about that. I guess that's fine. I just don't even know why we need to. I, I could see like if it's if it's an attacking Scrum inside the red zone, the the attacking captain can choose whatever he wants. That's what that's what I think. So inside the twenty-two, attacking Scrum earns the penalty. Earn, forces a forces a penalty to be conceded by the by the opposition. They get to choose what they do, whether that's a scrum, a lineout, or kick for sticks. I don't care. But they get to choose what they they want to do. I would I would be for. Um, yes, like normally, what happens when you get a penalty? But outside the twenty two, eh, free kick. Let's go. Um, I can I could be for that if we're going to use this variation. I know I'm using my hands, so it's it's weird if you're if you're, you're watching. You're, you're Ricky Bobby. I, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> uh, anything else on this, Josh? I um, we did see, we saw the return of Osea Colonisau. He actually scored the uh, yep fourth try for DC. Get them the bonus point. Uh, Th- Thomas Moore. Uh, Morani, is that how you say his last name? Morani, yeah. Morani. Yeah. Um, he, he made an appearance. Um, good, to, good to see both of them back in the league. And you know, that's about it. Uh, actually, uh, uh, DC will actually be taking on LA. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. It's a good thing they've had two games to get their halfback pairing warmed back up, I think. Because yeah. um, I, they I thought they played very well with each other um, this go round. Um, so, yeah. Um, I think New England got on the wrong side of the ref early. And although the penalty count was similar, I don't think Josh Larson communicated well with, I think it was Lex Weiner. I think it was him. No, I don't remember. We have a lot more refs in this league now. I remember you guys remember in season one when Scott Green and Derek Summers and the French guy they did every game. So like you know they did teams. So yeah, there were there were were only six games. There was only three games a week. So you would have either Derek Summers being the center ref for two games or. Scott Green being the center ref for two games. It was sort of like that again in season two when it was nine teams. You you had them refing multiple games a week, whereas I don't think we've had a ref ref multiple games in a week yet. Not that I can think of this year. We also think we have, like we, you were talking about, we have, what, 12 refs now? We're bringing in famous refs from overseas. So why hey, we, we, ever- we, have, we have J.P. Doyle, and we have Federico Anselmi, Interesting that he is not refing in Slar, that he is refing up here. So that means Argentina thinks that our competition is better quality than Superliga Americana de Rugby. Um, so there you go. Ladder. Um, yeah. Uh, Seattle at Austin. Craig. Uh, you know, this is a. I, I do get a, a small kick out of original MLR franchises when they when they face up, but this is really when you see the changing of the guard here. Is I think believe it's the first time Austin's ever beaten Seattle. Uh, but you know, you know, easy win, forty two fifteen. Pretty much Austin's just keeping on trend. Very tight defense. 
you know, they scored uh, – this might have been their highest score of the season, uh, or it was, it was certainly a pretty high one for them. But, uh, you know, I think that was just as much, you know, kind of the spirit fading from Seattle as the game went on. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I think Austin has solidified itself – uh, as a playoff contender for this season. And I think the Western Conference in general is really stratifying into, you know, teams in the hunt. Well, the Giltinis on the moon. And then teams in the hunt are Austin and Utah. And then the rest of the Western Conference is really starting to fall away uh, in the playoff picture. Um, so, you know, I think Seattle obviously just picked up a new coaching staff. Uh, or, you know, change, it's the same team. coaching staff. A change, some level of change in the coaching staff, including famous uh, Irish player Rory Bess as technical director. Um, I mean, that was like two days before the game, so I'm sure the impact was purely uh, emotional at, at that point. We'll see if a, a week's time and a trip home, you know, the first home game coming up for Seattle will make much difference. But right now, you know, they're, they're really struggling and, you know, they may be the – you know, the team that gets beat up on uh, for the rest of the season, if they can figure out, you know, who their halfback pairing is going to be, you know, get, get a little more consistency into that, um, particularly in that back line and, and you know, wor- work on a strategy that's going to find them more success going forward. Aaron, what would you say earlier this season for another team there is Seattle, Seattle's now the, the get right team? They are the get right game. If you are struggling – they are done, like straight up. I, I, so, so there's two things. Um, normally when you fire the coach, they didn't fire the coach. They demoted the coach. Normally when you fire the coach, um, there is a, there is a bounce following the change. So, so, so oftentimes if statistically speaking, if you look at things um, like when, um, who was the latest Browns coach to get fired? He uh, uh, Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson, when he was fired and Greg Williams took over, he won what eight games or seven games. Um, so like the team literally performed better with with the coach being gone. Um, Keys Lensing was demoted to forwards coach. Um, Pate Tulavuka, who was appointed director of rugby, and his director of rugby role is really. Um, focused on pathway development and talent acquisition. Um, now to director of rugby and head coach or interim head coach right now. So like he's no longer working on just pathway development and being an assistant to the senior team. Um, he's been an assistant around the senior team since at least 2019 because I met him in Seattle and he was helping coach the team uh, in 2019. Um, so good to see him get a shot, but uh you know, his first game was a shellacking. So I, I think it's kind of I, – I don't know. It, it's not indicative of him as a coach because, you know, they were already on the skids, but he was assisting on that staff to begin with. Um, I I don't think they're, re- they're well-constructed as a team um, in similar way to, I think – like Nola, they're missing like without certain players, like they don't have depth. Like, um, I think at nine they have good depth uh, with Devereaux Ferris, but who do you have after him? Um, obviously you had JB Smith, 
Um, but at 10, I think Kieran Joyce is a decent attacking player, but uh, he, he doesn't have some distribution skills that are really necessary. I know he's kicking uh, sticks. Uh, all of those were ugly. I know he made two of them, but they were ugly. Um, Even his kicks to touch were bad. Yeah, so I, I think it's I think it's you're in a bad spot when Kieran Joyce or Shalom Suniula are the guys that have to kick for you. Um, I didn't see. I don't think Turner kicked in this game. He kicked in a couple games ago, and that looked ugly. So I think in the backs they're really spread thin. I know they have some other players that have yet to debut. I think Nick Taylor, I think it's time for him to play because that back line that they put out was like the old retirement back line, to be honest. I know that, I know that's a harsh statement, but um, Shalom is, is, you know, I think he's an impact player off the bench now because just given age and where he is in life, it's probably like that. Or if you're going to commit to Shalom, you need to commit to Shalom, and he's just a starter. So, like, period. Like, that's sort of my my opinion. Uh, you have Setareki Tulavuka, who is Alpate Tulavuka's brother. He's 38. Like, you know, I, I you know, I, I don't know. And then Matt Turner originally was going to – he's an assistant coach this season. He was originally going to come off the bench. So, they're – really banged up and they're missing they're just missing players that that they need like just leadership wise uh, I know that Brad Tucker is banged up and he's trying to get healthy uh, but they're missing a guy like him um, really to that can be just a physical leader and an emotional leader on the pitch and in the locker room to where you have a guy that can literally put the team on his back and go. Um, and then he was it another young guy. That's a very talented player for them. Not guy Penny is out. I thought Tommy Clark played pretty well uh, in his first start. I, I mean, he did as, this is as good as you could do. So it's not really a question of, I think they have enough, back row players, but I think they're missing sort of the leadership those veterans provide. And on top of like the sort of system-based issues, which they had earlier in the season, they now have a ton of injuries and like across the roster. So I don't think they're going to do well the rest of the year, um, regardless of um, – just regardless of whether guys come back because they're really banged up. And I know, I know we're talking the all retirement league and this guy um, probably add to that, but do we know when uh, Yamada is coming? Akihi, I mean, Akihito Yamada. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. Um, it'd be nice. I mean, have you seen his tape? I've seen his tape. And if he can give me 50% of that, it's going to be really good. I'm just like, this is a guy that as a super rugby winger was just tearing it apart. So I, yeah, you know, it's, I, I, it's just, it's just a struggle because the things that made the Seattle pardon really, really good. Right. Was their defense. Um, you couldn't score on them. If you got inside the five meter, couldn't score on them if you got inside the red zone. 
Um, they're, they, they played a lot of heads-up rugby. They were very good at that, and that's how they won both those titles. They're not playing good heads-up rugby right now, um, and I think that's just a sort of a, an attitude problem. And I don't need the power of Starfire back. They haven't. Hey, they're, they're going home. home. They're going home, and we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, but it, w- it would be nice if uh, – I just want to – like for a team like, like that's been as successful as they have been to fall this far down, it kind of sucks, like to be honest. Um, and moving on to, you know, Houston, Utah. This was – you said it was the second highest scoring game according to Scorigami. Um, you were you, right to this there. I, I was right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I messaged Never you. admit that, Josh. Never admit that. <laughs> you, hey, you, you could say that. I won't. I will always – I will admit most of the time when I'm wrong. I'm not going to wear you out that bad. No, you can admit when you're wrong. We just don't admit when Aaron's right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, it's like it started really well for the for the Houston side. They went up like 12 to 0. Um there was no Utah defense in that first 10 minutes. And I thought there was, was no good. defense period. Oh, there was, we'll get to that too. Um, and then, uh, well, there was then 10 minutes go by again and it goes this way and it goes that way. And it was, it was a lot of great attacking rugby. I thought Sam Windsor played well, uh, a, a player that I sort of dogged a little bit, uh, the last couple of weeks, Robbie Povey. Um, I thought he had improved last week, but this is what I will say about him. I thought he, in this game he was he was it was ridiculous. Like he had a hat trick, um, and it's like okay, uh, now I just need to see him kick sticks. Um, I think one of the things is because he did pretty well to control the game with his foot. Additionally. Um, I think he's an attack first ball player, which is fine. Um, when you have uh, a scrum half like Nick Boyer, who can sort of alleviate some of the, the, the distribution from, and you also have a 12 like Sam Windsor who can alleviate some of the distribution stuff and can also be, uh, you know, an additional attacking player. And he had, a, and Sam Windsor had a really good game, like score try, um, getting after it in, de- in defense, putting his body on the line. Um, you know, I, what for a guy that has hustled for the cause and worn the yellow and black hardcore uh, for for four years, like Sam Windsor is just like – he, he gives you 100% every time. Um, he has literally started every single Sabercats game in their history. He scored every point in Saber Cats history. <laughs> it's, it feels he like might it. as well have. <laughs> it feels like it. Uh, and then you ran into in the second half, like sort of the end of the first half and beginning of the the second half. And at the end of the second half is the buzz saw that is sorting to be the Utah attack, where they can they can add out like if it's a track meet um, and it's a it's a four by one. Hundred relay, they'll beat you twice. Yeah, um, you know you've got you got Mika Cruze, you got Joe Mano, you've got uh, Hog and Schulte. You like Basca? I thought his 
um, last his last two games back weren't like is not this last game was okay, but the game before was like not good. He he was slow to the breakdown and his passes weren't crisp. This game, they had the highest quick ball in the league. Like yeah, they, they executed this week. I mean, you know, they they've been they've looked dangerous every week. It's just that in the last few, they've somewhere in the chain, you know, they made some error and dropped the ball. This week, neither Houston nor Utah was really doing that. They were both attacking great. It was a fun, yeah, you know, it was a fun contest. Well, it was fun to watch because it was like do. I like how Basca, Basca, I this may be just a personal preference of mine, but I really prefer scrum halves who use their feet as an attacking option to lock up the interior defense or to exploit it if they're not putting an interior defense in there. You know, like I don't like when the scrum half just every cycle runs up, grabs the ball, plants his feet, and passes. You know, I want a guy who picks it up on the run, brings the defender to him, and then passes. I feel like Basket was doing that really well this week, where he was he was picking the ball up and and resourcing it. I've grown to I have grown to appreciate the attacking nine fairly well after watching um, Nate Augsburger and Sean Davies for a very long time because they are very good at attacking. I think Sean Davies is more of a is a service first kind of guy. But what then you that or you could watch Nick Boyer who literally. Um, is like an attack first option, but can also be, but is also a great distributor and can also do like quick ruck. Like you can have a tempo where you're just distributing out of the ruck, like set, get a 70% quick ball rating. Cause I bet it'll happen. I'm with one of these guys, but I, I mean, I thought Matt Baskin played a really good game. I, I think his pass isn't there yet. Like, if you looked at um, – in some of the games that he started last week, I thought his his service out of the ruck looks exactly like Boyer's and how fast and sharp those passes are out of the breakdown. But it, it's – I mean, Utah did what they needed to do. They were good in the set piece. They were good in the scrum. Um, Mikey Teo is unreal. Um, I, I – and this is where, I, like, I feel kind of a jerk, but – um. I thought the broadcast took away from the game. Like I didn't, I didn't, I had to watch it. I ended up watch it again on mute to really sort of feel like my, how much of an impact Mikey Teo had. Um, so that's just yeah. my opinion. I mean, this gets discussed a lot on social media. We've discussed this offline. I mean, so look, it's a Utah broadcast team. Uh, they cheer for Utah. I think that's clear. It's at times somewhat they make an effort to mask it. Other times they don't. Look, I, I like that there's a local community sense. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I don't really have a problem with that, but I can put myself in the shoes of a fan of the other team having to hear the broadcast constantly cheering against you, questioning the calls or even like absence of calls that went, you know, the other team's way. So, I mean, I can really see how that's frustrating. And, um, you know, I well, think over time we may – I can imagine this discussion is going to continue and there might be some pressure uh, to be a little more even-handed. There was – there was what? This is two weeks in a row with um, – that there were two two calls made by the commentary team that were like, what are you looking at? Or 
what are you thinking about? There was what the extra time last week. So they, so the extra, so so Banksy is his name. The way he refers to extra time, as if there's going to be like a specific number of minutes added onto the clock, like in soccer, is hilarious because that's not how extra time works in rugby. Extra time works. The game can't end on a penalty. So the clock rolls over 80. We're into regulation. Yes, um, Utah was in a game where they beat Seattle at Seattle in extra time. They played 10 extra minutes of rugby. But it wasn't because the ref put 10 minutes on the clock. It was because you can't, you, they kept committing penalties. That's the problem. And, you know, uh, Utah beat them. Um, you had um, this weekend against Seattle – Ironically, I guess Ned Hodson scored in the 80, I want to say in the 82nd minute because Austin was like, you know what? We're going to run our attack and we're going to score because we're having a great freaking game. And Hodson, who'd been a link player and a good time distributor for them in that whole game, got his try. Good for him. But basically, but they, they, but Banksy and Ashley Burge like basically treated extra time as if it was soccer and it was very weird. Um, that was two weeks ago. This week they were just yeah more. Well, blown. no, he he said extra time again in the second this half. Week. Oh, I don't, I didn't remember. I didn't yeah, that. this is why I had to watch the second time. Yeah. My ADD kicked in. I tuned him out. Smart uh, man. No, it, uh, the thing he did this week that I think caught everyone's eye was the uh, the no arms in the tackle call. Oh, yeah. yeah. There was, a, there was that one. There was one other. I forget. There were like three or four plays I thought were either the, the penalty seemed pretty obvious. Like the no, the no arms tackle. He was like, I played rugby. That's a terrible call. But even before I heard the whistle, I was like, okay. No so there's, there's like two types of analysis when it comes to ana- analyzing referee calls. There's that. And there's Pete Steinberg, who, in addition to being, I mean, I mean, he, I work with him. He's a coworker. Just to point that out. Um, and yes, I'm name dropping, whatever. Uh, national team coach. So he has to know the laws, right? Um, former national team coach. So he has to know the laws, be able to teach his team the laws, etc. He's also a referee. So he doesn't referee at a crazy high level. He referees at the grassroots level. But um, so he understands application of the laws. So there's that ref analysis. That's the kind of ref analysis I want on the games, not the Hey, that was a high tackle. Uh, you know, like you yeah, know. But there were other plays too where he came, where I, I can't remember. I don't agree with the referee. It'd be like it'd be like I don't know why there wasn't a call there for like the obstruction. Or I was like, what is this? Why? Why would you? Even? I mean, it was like he was just he was being a fan. You know, he was being a fan. Which again, I I like fans. I I don't. I'm not a guy who needs a perfectly neutral broadcast team. Um, but I think this probably took it a little far. Yeah, it was. It was. It was it was pretty rough, um, to be honest. Um, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna end that, and we're gonna move on with our life, and we're gonna talk about next weekend's footy. Uh, so we've got New England traveling to San Diego. Uh, so if I look at the way the games are going for New England, overall they were in this game. Um, they're gonna go into it against San Diego relatively healthy. Their halfback pairing has been together and playing. For you know, I th- they had they had a bye, so at least they've been playing for. This will be their sixth game, um, together, um, and they get Joe Johnston back, 
who's a real-time like leader for them. And I think their attack is going to be better. I saw a lot more out of Harrison Boyle uh, this last week as far as the way he can manage the game with his foot, um, with the way he can distribute, um, with the way he can even move as an attacking player. What, I, what I'm kind of done with, uh, you know, publicly I'll say is I need to see him kick sticks because he's U.S. qualified. Um, we don't have any other U.S. qualified 10s playing 10 right now domestically. Everyone else is playing fullback, so that's, you know. McGee. Will McGee is playing fullback. Ben Seema is playing fullback. Um, maybe Ben Seema is right on the bench. I don't even know. What he, he had the one fullback game, then I don't know what yeah, happened. Yeah, like maybe hopefully Ben Seema starts to 10 this week because I think they need like a real 10. He's um, still at his like, brother's wedding. <laughs> he just, just went to – still at his brother's wedding, you know. <laughs> still partying, man. Uh, but um, I I, I want to see Harrison Boyle kick sticks um, this week. Uh, that That's sort of what I want to see out of them. I think they're going to be able to put the ball in places that San Diego can't get to. Um, they just – I mean, without Oddsley, uh, they've got, like, no kicking threat in their back line. Um, like, you've got – Obviously, Santiago Iglesias Gonzalez, but that's one guy. And, you know, he's not a, a 10. I think Joe Peterson should be back this week. So if you can move Iglesias Gonzalez to fullback or or 12, um, that would help them out. But then, uh, you know, Augsburger went out, but so did Denishin at the end of the game. Like, and he was clutching his shoulder. So I don't know if he's out-out or if that just was a hard impact. If it's out-out, they only have one nine after that, and that's Patrick Madden, who only played four four minutes. So, And he's a rookie, so I don't know. And he played 10 in college. Yeah, I feel like this is this is in Torero, right? The uh, no, it's it's at um, the Coliseum. There's going to be a doubleheader. Oh, okay. um, which is pretty cool. If you're a call, if you're a rugby fan in Southern California, um, there are tickets for sale and you get two rugby games for, I guess, 30 bucks because there's a $10 processing fee um, from Ticketmaster. So it's 20 bucks plus 10 and, you know, grab all your friends and split the parking because parking is 25 bucks. So just cash flow it and um, it'll be $37 before you buy a beer or a hot dog. Bring your non-rugby friends. Uh, that too. We, uh, so, yeah, so bring your non-rugby fans, and it will be $150 before you buy a beer or a hot dog. <laughs> uh, I think like this is so – look, I think New England is the better team this season. Uh, I think they should win. I'm a little worried this is a trap game for them. You know, they seem like an easier opponent than they faced lately. It is a cross-country trip. It's not Torero, I guess, so there's that going for them. So I think this is going to be closer than previous uh, performances this year would have suggested. I, I think New England's yeah, – yeah, they're in a little dangerous territory here. I, I just have a sense they may overlook this one. According to a statistical model that I have seen, it's an even pick. Okay. So, so <laughs> you know, I, I think – What's the pick? Uh, the Castro pick is New England by four. 
Okay, it's pretty low too. I, I'm gonna say, uh, yeah, I'm gonna say New England by two. You know, Craig, I, I do agree with you. It's, it might be a trap game for them. They are hosting Austin the week after, so they might be looking. Mm, I'm, they, I'm need gonna, a, they need a win though. I'm, I'm gonna take the cowards' way out. I'm gonna say draw. The computer says a draw is uh, – so I would say if you look at the actual computer, if you go – because the computer says draw, it's like zero. But the actual score when you go into decimal points, New England is favored by like 0. 0.3. <laughs> is, this, is this a scary Larry model? This is the scary Larry model. <laughs> um, look, I, I mean – if you, be, I don't know this. I don't think this is the way it works, but Super Brew should definitely make it so that if you pick a draw and you are correct, you get like ten points because that's such an outrageous pick. Uh, you should really get rewarded for that. Uh, so well, I, I mean, I if you pick it exactly, you do get an extra bonus point, just like you do for any score. Yeah, no, but it's because draws are so hard to come by. You should get. Yeah, straight up, and like picking a draw, you, you know should get like, it. You should get an extra. Hold on, extra hold on. Five points. Hold on, I forgot. I had actually already locked in my picks. Fudge, um, fudge. I have New England by four. All right, New England I'm by still four. Giving you credit for the draw call. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Liam said he was going to give me his picks, and he didn't. I am making Liam's pick a draw. Okay, All there right. you go. Right. Boldly and bold choice. Bold. He's going to pick four draws this week. <laughs> bold choice. Um, uh, yeah. DC at LA, Josh. What do you What do you think? I mean, it is. It is it's tough to call, but it's not tough to call. Um, we all know LA is going to win. More ninety five percent chance LA wins. Um, you know by how much? I've been picking uh, I've been picking LA by like 15 on Super Brew and I feel like that's been a bad call like I needed yeah, to start way too low. I needed to start at like 25 and you know maybe work my way up from 25. You still don't uh, look at that first window. You swipe the first one up and then you do the <laughs> But um I think the thing that's going to I think that the Something that they haven't run into is a good set piece defense. I for as bad as so you had Nathan Den Hutt go up eleven times, steal two line out or get eleven line out takes, steal two line outs from San Diego. Um, but Old Glory has good jumpers, so I think it'll be a little bit more difficult. Um, although. LA scrum, like their statistics don't look good. I just don't think they've, you know, had to play well. Um, so I think in this game, they will have to play well. And that the, just the tempo that um, Tusitala and Robertson can play with is going to be difficult. However, if LA does what it normally does, which is score 21 points in like 10 minutes, then, you know, the game's over. But I, I think it's, yeah, I think you, you, the, you know, what? By, go ahead, go ahead. LA by 18. You know, what's scary. Like LA gets so much credit as they should for their insane attack this year. And 
as you may guess, they're way ahead as most points scored on the year. Uh, what's scary? Guess who? Guess where they rank in points conceded? Second. Second. They vote. They they're, they're behind only Austin in fewest points conceded. Yeah, but what's their margin? Oh, you mean yeah, that? Though so they're second in defense. Yeah, they've they've let up the second fewest number of points. Wow, yeah, their point, the their point differential is one hundred sixteen. <laughs> so I mean they're they're actually playing great defense too. It's just going kind of under the radar because their attack is so outrageously good. Um, look, I think Old Glory has a lot going for them. I think if there is a weak point in the scrum, Old Glory could potentially exploit that. Um, I think Old Glory has a great halfback pairing that could, you know control the ball. You know do, do some things that's really going to test uh, LA's defense a little bit more. But Old Glory hasn't been particularly good defensively themselves. I was, I don't think they're going to, they're going to be able to slow down LA enough, especially in a, a West coast trip for them. So uh, I don't, I don't think old glory's defense is, is good enough to really yeah. stop them. They're, just, they're not, up, I don't think they're up to this one. I think the thing that the thing that they would have to do is do what Houston did. And I don't know if their centers are, are really good ball carriers like what Houston put on there with Dicky Dicky Lottie and Balakana just running shod over. You know. I think they got a. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, and that isn't ball. to say. I mean, they have T- Roberts Tanana and Threaten Palama, and I understand that sounds kind of weird, but I just like I think Palamo is more skilled than you know just a Mack truck that Dicky Dicky Lottie is. Yeah, like, I mean, like, I think I think no matter what you do, he's going to score. But I, I mean, if I were DC, I'd be trying to get Jameson Fana Schultz and Callum Gibbons to you know be having big double tackles and laying on that ball as long as you can get away with it. Just slow down the, the recycle speed. Well, just defense a chance to get back into some kind of shape. They they need that back row to of Callum Gibbons, Mungo Mason. And Jamison Fiano Schultz to just murder. Like, they need whatever, the whatever the whoever the ball carriers. I, I just want to see them, just all three of them just going like this. Oh, and and then add Mikey Sosini Fagai in there and just like that's what's gonna have to happen. Yeah, so I'll go uh but I'm I'm not thinking it's gonna happen. So I'm gonna go uh, LA by 18. <laughs> LA by 18. All right, that's another one. Um uh, Toronto at NOLA. So this could be a trap game for Toronto because NOLA is kind of reeling. But the difference here is Toronto is rolling. Like they're rolling. It didn't, doesn't matter who it is, except if it's Los Angeles. Um, they are in their, the three of their last four games, they have beaten the brakes off of their opponent. Um, and they played LA pretty close in the first half. Um, and like similar to, I, I don't think Nola is just going to crash and burn. I think they're going to win a few more games, but they're missing, they're missing pieces like up front. They're, they're good. They're fine. Um, but in the back line, um, they're missing a second playmaker or, and we're seeing teams put three playmakers on the pitch. You know, um, so they've got they really they've got Carl Meyer. Um, maybe 
if Hanno Dirksen is ready, maybe he slots in at 15 and Carl Meyer goes to 10. I think that would be helpful. Um, I, I like Timothy Guillemon, but it's uh, he just doesn't he, he's just not giving you enough right now. Um, and they're just kind of they're kind of wounded in the centers too. So whereas Toronto's very healthy and they're just they're just tearing teams apart. They've got Taylor Adams who's leading the, the league in scores and scoring. Then they've got Lucas Rumball, who is just a menace at the breakdown um, and can tote the rock. And you know who's like a really heavy ball carrier for them this last weekend? And it was unreal was Manuel Deanna. Like, yeah, he was very he was strong like, runs in tight spaces, like a very Billy Vinopola type of eight game. Like he would come, like he would get fed balls off the ruck and go churn out fifteen yard, like fifteen meter gains. Like, Jesus, it was not. It was if you're the New York defender, it was not comfortable at all. Um, so it's like I like what Nola does. I like what Toronto does, but you just have to go with the hot and healthy hand. And I think that is gonna. I think it's gonna be a big time edge. Uh, Toronto by 10 points going away. Josh, you go next. Uh, we'll just leave it in my pick. I'm going to say Toronto by 13. Um, you're right. Um, no, no, it's just missing too many pieces. I don't, Guillemin's decision making is a little suspect to me. Um, Damien Stevens, like if Nola. I know you can't consistently rely on him to go 80 minutes, but and I know we all like Holden Youngert, but I Holden Youngert's decision making as well. Like I don't know if like that's his style, but Nola works better at, at a faster uh, ruck speed, and hold, like I can't tell if it's the defense or if it's him, but his ruck speed is really really slow, and I think that hurts them. So yeah, Toronto by 13. All right, so I, I, I had a feeling I was going to be a real big outlier here. Uh, I'm just going to put out one bit of information here. The forecast for New Orleans on Saturday, this is a 1 p.m. Eastern game. The forecast is 81 degrees. I don't know if these Canadians have uh, experienced 81 degrees rugby in quite some time. Dude, um, they just played in, in Atlanta like – Two weeks ago, and it was, it was 81, 81 degrees. Yeah, it was 81 degrees. At they lost in Atlanta when they played in Atlanta. No, no, no. When they played Seattle in Atlanta at 10 a.m. That doesn't morning. count. They Seattle played in <laughs> Seattle doesn't count. count. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. That is me. Uh, um, so I, I think uh, there's going to be a heat benefit they, here. They are the living in Atlanta right now. I know, I know, I know Georgia. Humidity ain't the same as you know NOLA humidity. And it's been it's been early April. It's, it's really only starting to heat up now, I think. Uh so I'm I'm gonna say uh I'm gonna say New Orleans by three. Oh picking pickings. Oh man, that's that's I gotta, I gotta, I gotta lob up some uh, Hail Marys to catch up in Super Brew anyway. So you, you got you got all of Canada mad at you right now, Craig. Well. Yeah. Nice people, <laughs> uh, 
Oh, you know, um, it, it's he. It's hate, but with love. It's you know, it's hate with because like I remember when we jumped on the Canada Hate Week sort of bandwagon of uh, the American Rugby Pod did way back in the day when we first started when we played Canada. I, I mean, it's not it's not real hate. It's just hey. We're playing you. You're a friendly neighbor, but it's over until like Monday, and then it's then we back. We back like this, hugging it out. Um, you know, I. So that's it. Well, guys, uh, thanks for the show. Hold on, uh, hold on. We, 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 we got one more. We got one more. Got wait, wait, what? Am I that? Am I that off? Wow. Um, don't run away, Aaron. Uh, New York at sea. Oh yeah, because because Craig said they didn't count. Subliminally, I forgot <laughs> about them. Yep. New York yeah. at Seattle at Fortress Starfire. There are fans. Twenty percent. I think it's about eight hundred. Got tickets. They're gonna be loud. They got a roof over their head, so they can be really loud because it'll keep the. We'll keep the sound, the acoustics going. They're not going to oh. respect the kicker. They're not going to respect the kicker. Or or, or, or if you're French, that is respecting the kicker because <laughs> you make a lot. But no, because they don't make noise for their own kicker. Because the French, the way it works in France is you make more noise for your kicker so that he channels your energy. Yeah, but Holland's head is a uh, is a kiwi. That, that's oh, you mean, are being loud. They, the kicker, you right? mean where they throw bottles onto the pitch? Yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll be right at home. Uh, <laughs> look at what you be talking a get right game. I think it's you know every game. I guess right now when you're the last you know lowest table points in the league is a get right game for Seattle. But um, you know, New York obviously has had a bad one last week. Uh, They'll be looking to sort things out. Hopefully, they get some people back from injury this week. Uh, um, so, you know, I think this should be one they win. You know, they have a pretty tough schedule. Uh, it's tough to go to the West Coast, but this, you know, they probably are viewing this as a little bit of a get-right game. So, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say New York by eight. I don't think the the, the West Coast East Coast thing matters as much if, if it's East Coast to West Coast versus West Coast to East Coast. Um, I actually think that helps more for the East Coast teams if they go west. Um, it's just it's just the idea that it's a long road trip, and you know, playing a game shortly off the plane can you know, yeah. you just it it takes time to adjust uh, the idea, and it is a long road trip. So yeah. no, 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 I, and I I do realize that. I just I think air trip, I guess. Air trip. I think New York New York kind of caught the short end of the stick and kind of caught the the steam train that is Toronto. Um, I know we said it. Seattle's their get-right game, and I have New York by 15. Liam has Seattle by 20. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, – if Ellis starts and Nate Brakeley is in the second row, not so that means they get a flanker back because not that Nate Brakeley has been bad at flanker, it's just I not his position, just not his, just not his position. Um, 
and they're missing sort of what Hanko can bring. Maybe, you know, you start Sumsian because I thought Sumsian had a really good game. Sumsian does not travel, I don't believe. Oh, yeah, because – well, he might because the – I think the rugby season for um, for good. West Point is over. Um, so maybe. I don't, I don't know. Um, it depends. If Sumsian can travel and he can start on the road – and you put Brakely in the second row. Mm. But I think Ellis starts, Holland's head starts. They could get ugly. Um, he said 15, Josh. Yeah. Let's go with 17 to New York. Format. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, also, like, New York needs to, like, get out of their negative point differential. Like. Well, they've gotten, they, they've gotten absolutely clobbered twice, so. They were in it, but, but when, they had, they were, when they had a winning record, they had a negative point differential, and Craig got it, or, yeah, Craig got into it with the oddball gentleman on, um. I didn't get into it. I just wrote the article. I just wrote I, the article uh, and then he was like uh, Mr. Mr. Dan Brown. He was like, um, Oh yeah, it was a former former podcaster on here full of dirt was like, Hey, you know, we're still at the top of the league. Blah blah blah. I was like, Well, you have a negative point differential. Yeah, it's kind of true. They, um, yeah, I don't think it's happening. Unless they absolutely blow out Seattle, that's not happening. They are negative forty three. Oh my yeah, don't worry, this, don't. it's not the worst. What's the worst? I'd rather Seattle. Them, I'd rather <laughs> I'd rather them, you know, pile up their bad games in small bursts so that they have a really bad differential. And then yeah, the close games they win. I could be good with that. Yeah. Uh uh kind of happy it's only four games this week. I've been, been and they're not all on, they're not all on at the same time. So yeah. we didn't get Liam's picks. Liam Liam has a draw. He has Seattle by 30. You <laughs> <laughs> said 20. Come on. Calm down. 20. No, he just texted me. He said make it 30. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah. Um, any other – I think we had a question on Twitter. Let me find it. Um. I know Life Love Rugby asked us about National American Rugby League. Where is this question? Last week and we didn't get to it. Oh, here's a good one. I don't know why this question is asked, but Aggie Rugger 2010 um, hasn't heard about Sebastian Cole. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put this I'm gonna put this one to bed. So Sebastian Cole got a neck injury in season one. Actually, before season one, now, now that I think about it, it was in preseason for New Orleans. Um, he had surgery. Um, we'll get to that. Then, so he had surgery. Then, uh, he didn't get cleared to play after his surgery. Austin sent him to a French neck specialist who said he could play. Then he come came back, and he wasn't cleared to play. And now he's retired. 
there's no chance of coming. There's no chance at this point. I see Sebastian Colm being able to come back and play without another neck surgery. So he's going to live out his good life. And, you know, he's, uh, yeah, get married, have kids. Do what he's going to do. Um, which kind of sucks because he was a really solid number eight coming out of, out of college. I think he could have had a fairly good career and, uh, been a really solid eagle, um. So, but yeah, did that one. Um, uh, life, love, rugby. Asked with so many MLR experience, albeit small experience, signing with uh, NARL teams so far. Could we see more players outside of first teams sign and play league to get experience? Um, well, there's only been three, and. Simu Smith was it Simu was it Simu Smith or was it a different player that played for New York that uh, Marcus Tavu ah uh, Marcus Tavu Mike Kelly Mudu and I think Lino Saunitoga is going to sign is signed for the Armadillos which is the Austin team like these guys weren't threatening for um threatening for roster spots at all. They weren't signed. Moodoo played for Austin a couple of years ago. Played pretty well, I thought. I, he, um, I could have sworn he started a game or two for them. Big Mike. Find out. Or wait, I could check my... Uh, Austin Heard re-signs um, Mike Kelly Moodoo. So that was in January 2020. So, well... So he let's say he played less in the abbreviated season. Well, he wasn't on a roster this year, so um, that's about all there is to it. He actually started all five games for them last year. So that's what I got. All right, gents. Till next week. Time to get out. Later, guys. Thanks for the show. Thanks for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Connect with your hosts via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Visit our website at earfulofdirt.com or email us your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com. Please note, Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. His opinions are his own.